America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth where a shocking and tragic, in fact, horrifying event on the other side of the world with our most important Asian ally, Japan. Yes, our most important Asian ally. A uh, leader of Japan and a visionary leader, Shinzo Abe, uh, was felled by an assassin. Uh, they don't know much yet about what the assassin's motivation would have been. There was a claim uh, in the news that uh, part of his assass uh, intention with a handmade gun that was 16 inches long and had sounded like an explosion, a grenade, something like that, when it went off. Because uh, the former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, the longest serving Prime Minister in Japanese history, he, um, he was felled during a campaign appearance. They're having parliamentary elections there. What does it mean? Why is this terrible news for the United States and for the world? Uh, Gordon Chang has that perspective. Nobody knows more about America's friends and foes in East Asia. Uh, Gordon, why should Americans care deeply about the loss of this visionary leader? Well, first of all, um, uh, Shinzo Abe brought stability to the Japanese political system. And before his second term as prime minister, there were revolving door prime ministers. Um, Abe was able to stay in office for eight years, from 2012 to 2020. After he left, um, there have been revolving door prime ministers, two in two years. Abe um, was a power broker in the Liberal Democratic Party, which governs Japan. And he is um, he was the uh, the leader of the biggest faction. So he did provide some stability for the Japanese political system. But more important, um, Abe reoriented Japan to become um, a strong friend of the United States. He advocated a larger Japanese self-defense force, which is essentially its military. And he was skeptical of China. Going back to the first years of this century, he advocated that free societies in East Asia and North America band together. Um, but Washington and other capitals, which were really interested in, in engaging China, didn't listen to him. We would be in a much better place, Michael, if um, American presidents and others had listened to Shinzo Abe two decades ago. Uh, Gordon G. Chang has been tweeting about this, and uh, his, his comments are always insightful and important. You can uh, find them at Gordon G. Chang. Don't forget the G. He's the author of the books, The Coming Collapse of China and the bestseller, The Great U.S.-China Tech War. Have you heard any informed speculation about any connection uh, between the killer who's 41 years old, he seems like sort of the classical lone nut uh, kind of uh, political assassin, but any speculation about his affiliation with other nefarious forces in the world? 
We don't have any evidence of that, Michael, um, but we do know that the uh, three regimes have benefited greatly from that horrible act. That would be Russia's, North Korea's, and China's. Um, China, um, just immediately after the assassination, has been flooding the world with uh, social media postings. Um, a friend of mine who monitors uh, Moroccan social media um, mentioned that uh, immediately after um, that act, um, they were seeing on uh, Moroccan social media sites all of these postings from China about Abe. So clearly Beijing is trying to influence global opinion on this, and the Chinese are up to no good, because Abe believed in a strong defense against China. There's a survey that just came out, that uh, worldwide survey, that listed Japan as the number one tourist destination in the world. The Japan took the top spot in the World Economic Forum's Travel and Tourism Development Index 2021, even with borders closed because of, of COVID. We don't, we don't usually think about or talk about in America enough uh, how things are going in Japan. I know that they are rebuilding and, and building their military and naval resources. They uh, certainly have identified with the West concerning the war in Ukraine. Generally, in the post-Abe era, uh, he left the prime ministership in 2020, uh, how has Japan been doing? Japan has been doing okay. Um, it held the Olympics, the Summer Olympics that were postponed from 2020. They were held last year. Um, Japan, like uh, we are, are slowly recovering. Um, but politically speaking, um, you know, we have seen this revolving door um, prime ministership, which is not a good thing. This week was interesting in the sense that um, before the assassination, China actually uh, drove a, one of its frigates through Japanese territorial waters in the East China Sea near the Senkakus, which China claims and calls the Daoyus. And they also were buzzing their planes near Japanese airspace. Um, this at the same time that China was um, driving its Coast Guard vessels and creating um, real troubles in, south, in the South China Sea at Second Thomas Shoal, which belongs to the Philippines. So China is pretty much moving on its neighbors right now, and it's going to take advantage of the assassination and do something. I'm really concerned about the way events are going in East Asia right now, and this assassination could be consequential. You know, we've got to remember that World War I started with an assassination, Archduke Ferdinand. I don't think that this is going to be as immediate as it was in 1914, but nonetheless, Michael, this can have long-term ripple effects which can destabilize an already unstable part of the world. Will they have a very public um, funeral mourning process for Shinzo Abe? I'm sure that they will. Um, because he was a figure um, who, if, if people didn't agree with him, they uh, liked him as a person, and that was part of his um, political power. So I'm sure that they will uh, mourn him in public. And again, he was identified as a great friend of the United States. I know that he and President Obama uh, collaborated on that uh, remarkable exchange of visits with President Obama visiting Hiroshima and uh, Abe visiting the site of
Pearl Harbor, signifying how close the two nations had become. Yes, and of course, famously, um, um, Abe had a great relationship with President Trump. Some people say that of all the leaders in the world, Abe was the one who was able to best manage um, the Donald. And also, you know, when you think about it, um, he's had a good relationship with Biden as well. Um, and to his credit, um, Biden has uh, flown American flags at half-mast uh, in honor of uh, Shinzo Abe. So uh, this relationship is strong, but it's, that's one of his legacies, um, that America and Japan are much closer than they've been in quite some time. You'd have to go back to Reagan and um, um, I'm blanking on his name, um, but you'd have to go back to then, um, to that era, to find two uh, American and Japanese leaders as close. Nakasone, Nakasone, of course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Gordon G. Chang, uh, the author of The Coming Collapse of China, May It Be God's Will, and The Great U.S.-China Tech War at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Uh, when we come back, uh, Biden has spoken about the murder of Shinzo Abe. There's more about the details of uh, gun regulation in Japan, which unfortunately did not work to protect uh, this important world figure. We will be right back on The Medved Show. Can I just say that you do more for radio than what high definition will... of Shinzo Abe shot from behind uh, by a a 41-year-old assassin who uh, says that he killed Abe apparently because Abe was a member of a group that the assassin hated. Uh, not much more than that is known. This is the way that uh, CBS News uh, reported the assassination, uh, treating him to some extent, as suspect and controversial. Why? Because he was a conservative and pro-American, unabashedly pro-American. Uh, listen to CBS reports. Uh, this is clip six. Abe was Japan's longest-serving prime minister when he left office in 2020 due to ill health. A polarizing figure, he was a right-wing nationalist and conservative and a fierce supporter of Japan's military. His political opinions were controversial, but the country is united in shock and sympathy at the news of his death. Okay, adding that his opinions were controversial when he was the most popular prime minister of recent time. Why? Because he was a fierce supporter of the military. And by the way, doing something that needed to be done, that Americans longed to be done. Uh, Japan, with the constitution that was adopted under the supervision of General Douglas MacArthur in the U.S. occupation, officially became a pacifist country. It was one that was supposed to have only a minimal defensive nuclear, uh, not nuclear, defensive uh, military capacities. And uh, of course, Japan has never developed nuclear weapons. And one of the things about Abe's leadership is he recognized that in a world where China 
was such a dire threat so immediately close to Japan, and there's been so much blood spilled between those two nations and societies over the years, and uh, China, in fact, uh, challenging Japanese territory, that it was very, very important for uh, Japan to vary some of its uh, reluctance to develop its military capacities. And they are right now in the midst of uh, enhancing those capacities. Uh, President uh, Biden uh, honored uh, Shinzo Abe. He went to the Japanese embassy. He signed the condolence book. He brought flowers to lay down in honor of Shinzo Abe, all very appropriate for the President of the United States, for one of our closest allies. Uh, President Biden's remarks, again, he's having a tough time today. Uh, listen to what the President of the United States had to say, clip one. The fact is that uh, one thing did strike my, get my attention, that this is the first use of a weapon to murder someone in the, in Japan. And I think we have thus far have 3,000, I won't hold me to the number, 688 or, I mean, between three and 4,000 cases. They've won. One. Okay. Not entirely accurate on any point. I understand the point that he's trying to make. Uh, the truth of the matter is that gun violence is extremely rare in Japan. Uh, in 2018, uh, which is one of the most recent uh, periods for which we have good numbers, Japan, which has 125 million people, reported nine deaths from firearms, including uh, accidents, murders, suicide, all of it, that compared with 39,740 that year in the United States. That's a dramatic comparison. That's according to data compiled by the Sydney School of Public Health at the University of Sydney in Australia, of course. Under Japan's firearms laws, the only guns permitted for sale are shotguns and air rifles. Handguns are outlawed. But getting them is a long and complicated process that requires effort and lots of patience and going through uh, intensive reviews, uh, education on firearms safety, and more. Having just heard President Biden speaking about uh, Prime Minister Abe, the late Prime Minister Abe, it's uh, fascinating that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, made his own reaction to the loss of this important foreign leader. This is a Governor DeSantis, clip five. I just want to uh, express uh, condolences to the people of Japan for the assassination of Shinzo Abe. Uh, Shinzo uh, was, a, uh, was a great leader, a great man, and was a heck of an ally to this country. I mean, he understood freedom, he understood the threat posed by China, and he understood the importance of having a strong uh, U.S.-Japan relationship. We in Florida are actually hosting Hosting uh, a summit in November uh, with the southeastern United States and with J Japan. Uh, this is partially to try to uh, increase business ties and investment opportunities, and we're so looking forward.
forward to that, but this news is certainly going to cast a pall over that. And so uh, we are very, very sad to hear that. And, and the world lost a really, really great leader. And, um, you know, we hope that the, that the people of Japan uh, get through this time uh, uh, properly. Uh, and we will certainly be keeping them in our thoughts and prayers. Okay, uh, Shinzo Abe also became the first Japanese political leader to address a joint session of Congress. That happened uh, back in 2015 at, toward the end of the Obama era. Now, during his speech, he actually spoke about fond memories of being in high school and hearing a song by the American singer Carol King on the radio. He then actually quoted some of the lyrics sounded like this. Listen. Clip 10. I was young in high school and listened to the radio. There was a song that flew out and shook my heart. It was a song by Carol King. <laughs> when you are down and troubled, close your eyes and think of me, and I'll be there to brighten up even your darkest night. Um, close your eyes and think of me, and I'll be there. He was uh, pledging uh, some of the depth of uh, and the importance of uh, his alliance with the United States. Uh, it, it is uh, and, and does go to uh, some of the uh, the need that we have to continue paying attention to the world beyond our borders because even though what happens to America and American citizens have to be the chief focus of our government right now the uh, the loss of uh, Shinzo Abe, particularly at a time when it's so important for the civilized world to unite against Putinism, is a, a grievous one. We will be right back. Is Thor the answer? <laughs> we'll get to that. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, the uh, today there was an acknowledgement by the Biden administration that the Texas Border Patrol agents who were accused of whipping uh, Haitian migrants back last year, you may remember they were on horseback and uh, Kamala Harris made a comment that it reminded her of slavery. These were Haitian people who were trying to enter the United States without authorization, and the Border Patrol turned them back. And uh, the Biden administration repeatedly smeared the Border Patrol agents uh, for whipping uh, illegal immigrants. In, uh, and, and today, the uh, 
Border Patrol uh, announced their investigation found no evidence that any migrants were whipped or struck by horseback uh, border patrol agents in Texas and but they are going to be uh, receiving the agents discipline for derogatory language which they used and using a threat of force to drive migrants back across the Rio Grande this is the uh, flashback about the earlier smears of these agents who have now been at least formally cleared. Listen to clip eight. To see people treated like they did, horses really running over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. I was outraged by it. I, it was horrible and, um, and, and deeply troubling, and there needs to be consequence and accountability. Uh, those officers are on administrative duties. They are not performing their, their typical law enforcement duties. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. It also evoked images of some of the worst moments of our history where that kind of behavior has been used against the indigenous people of our country, has been used against African Americans during times of slavery. The horrific video of the CBP officers on, horse, on horses using brutal and inappropriate measures against innocent people. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. Okay, and uh, the agents are not who he was making them out to be either. Um, after a lengthy, it's a 540-page investigative report, the fact that they are cleared of everything other than uh, being unnecessarily aggressive and using harsh language. I mean, really, really. That should be the worst problem we uh, we ever have on <laughs> on our border, uh, which is unfortunately not the only problem we have right now. Uh, breaking news: Elon Musk just notified Twitter he's terminating the deal to buy it. This is shortly after Twitter's board accepted Musk's forty-four billion dollar bid to acquire the company. He said in May the deal was on hold pending information about spam bots on the platform. He is now required to go through with the purchase unless he can prove that Twitter actually misled him or a major event has changed its value. Uh, stay tuned. This has always been uh, an odd marriage. And speaking of an odd marriage, there's um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, yesterday, she was endorsed for president by Alex Jones, which uh, <laughs> the the two deserve each other. Um, Alex Jones, the uh, leading conspiracy theorist in the country, who, um, who by the way, uh, shamelessly, uh, shamelessly trashed the parents and victims of uh, the uh, shooting at Newtown in Newtown, Connecticut at Sandy Hook Elementary. And now Marjorie Taylor Greene has on her Facebook page comments about uh, her her own idea of what really happened on July 4th in, uh, in Illinois. Uh, this is uh, the congresswoman from Georgia, 
MTG Marjorie Taylor Greene, clip nine. Here's what I have to say. I mean, two shootings on July 4th, one in a rich white neighborhood and the other at a fireworks display. It's almost sounds like it's designed to persuade Republicans to go along with more gun control. I mean, after all, remember, we didn't see that happen at all the pride parades in the month of June, but as soon as we hit MAGA month, as soon as we hit the month that we're all celebrating, loving our country, we have shootings on July 4th. I mean, that's, oh, you know, that would sound like a conspiracy theory, right? Of course. But what's the definition of a right-wing conspiracy theory? Well, by the way, it's the news that's just six months early. Um, the news that's just six months early. Does it sound like with uh, Bobby Cremo and the, the, the people who are mourning uh, in the community and you've read something about the victims? Really, th this is obscene and it's disgraceful. And uh, to try to manipulate for political purposes a, um, a truly horrific crime like, uh, like this one is very, very sad. Speaking of horrific crimes, uh, there is a, um, a great deal of controversy about some new comments that have been unearthed from Blake Masters, who right now is the leading uh, GOP candidate endorsed by Trump for the Senate in Arizona. Mr. Masters has been denounced for contemporary statements like his April 11th remark that American gun violence problem boiled down to, quote, black people, frankly, and his apparent embrace of the replacement theory propaganda by uh, white supremacists when he accused Democrats of trying to flood the nation with immigrants to, quote, change the demographics of our country. In a uh, 2006 post, and this is when he was younger, he was at Stanford, he posted on the LouRockwell.com site, he rehashed an elaborate conspiracy theory about the United States entry into World War I, implying a connection between the banking houses of Morgan and Rothschild and the failure to alert American steamship passengers to German threats that preceded the sinking of the Lusitania. His uh, main source was C. Edward Griffin, an ardent libertarian, who once said, quote, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, a notorious anti-Semitic forgery, accurately describe much of what is happening in our world today. The post ended with what uh, Masters called a poignant quotation from Hermann Goering, Hitler's right-hand man and one of the most powerful Nazis of the Third Reich, uh, and who was one of those war criminals who was executed, actually killed himself rather than allow himself to be executed. The uh, chief of uh, executive officer of the Anti-Defamation League assailed Mr. Masters' uh, invocations of Gehring and Griffin, calling them historical figures who trafficked in some of the most <clears throat> anti-Semitic tropes imaginable. Any student of history should know better than to elevate leaders who once gave voice to dangerous anti-Semitic tropes such as the notorious Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Uh, Mr. Greenblatt 
said. He added, regardless of how old he was at the time, he was in college, uh, Mr. Masters needs to disavow his decision to uphold these men and their ideas and condemn anti-Semitism in all its forms. I assume that he will do that uh, if he means to continue to run and to represent the Democratic Party against the U.S. Senate. What the, uh, the Republican Party, again, in the U.S. Senate. What we really need is four coming up on the MedVed Show. season uh, bring you some time to do whatever you love doing enhancing your life in this great country and uh, maybe a chance with sun shining in most of the country and most of the time even here in the great northwest uh, a little bit of a chance to look on the brighter side with brighter skies and maybe even a brighter future uh, speaking of which is uh, the latest Thor movie. It's the fourth one in the series. Is that worth uh, looking on the bright side? This latest from Hollywood. Okay, Chris Hemsworth is back, uh, but he doesn't have his magical, mystical hammer. He has a, a new sort of... Um, personalized acts in uh, the new movie uh, Thor Love and Thunder. He also has a, a new nemesis, or at least would-be nemesis, but if you're the god of thunder, how much uh, nemesis could you handle? Well, this one uh, is played by one of the three Oscar-winning Best Actor or Best Actress uh, appearances in this film. Christian Bale plays someone known as Gore the God Butcher, who, because of an experience on a distant and remote and desolate planet, has turned against the whole idea of gods and is uh, determined to kill them all, including Thor himself. Listen. One of the only who gods care about is themselves. So this is my vow. All gods will die. I just want to say that was very, very impressive what you did back there. It's just my first bad guy. You never forget your first. I'm not like the other gods of kill. Because I have something worth fighting for. Okay, uh, the, uh, the acting is appalling. Uh, the special effects are cheesy. Uh, the plot is ridiculous beyond belief. It does have, um, uh, it brings back Natalie Portman, and she plays a scientist who was the love interest for Thor in the first two movies. She did not appear in the third one in the series, which was Ragnarok. She shows up in this one, and there's been a lot of attention. She apparently did a lot of physical work, and her arms have bulked up. But you know what's so crazy about the film, and it, it drove me crazy, is you meet her, she's a cancer patient, and she doesn't get cured. She's still dying of cancer, and uh, stage four, prob and, and yet she goes out onto battlefields to uh, throw the magic hammer, Shionir, 
and to be involved in superhero hand-to-hand -hand combat equal to Thor herself, uh, himself. Uh, the um, Russell Crowe is on hand to play Zeus. They have a very big sequence about a place called Omnipotent City, which is... <laughs> Uh, it looks like a Las Vegas casino, but all the gods, Quetzalcoatl, Aztec gods, Greek gods, Roman gods, Norse gods, uh, they're all there. And uh, almost tacky beyond belief, uh, Taika Watiti, who is an interesting director and an interesting actor, who was so good both as an actor and a director with the uh, film Jojo Rabbit a couple of years ago, which got a bunch of Oscar nominations, he co-wrote and he directed this again. Uh, Ragnarok had some humor in it. It had a little bit of passion. Uh, this this is a mess. And it is very hard to imagine that even with Natalie Portman and uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale uh, playing a, a, a standard issue villain from the Marvel Universe, this is one of the worst Marvel movies yet. It really is. And uh, trust me on this, you can find a better way to spend a couple of hours. It's playing in theaters. It's rated PG-13 for exactly the kind of violence you would expect. A Thor, Love and Thunder could be entitled Tor, a Thor, Thud and Blunder. And it is. Uh, there's another film called Mr. Malcolm's List. And this one uh, includes a uh, Frida Pinto, who you may remember was such a glamorous, wonderful young star with uh, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, speaking of Oscar-winning films, all those years ago. This time, she's uh, playing a uh, young woman who is looking for a husband in Regency England. That's supposed to be 1818. It's the same world and really a rather pallid invita uh, imitation of a Jane Austen story. And uh, there is an arrogant, uh, off-putting Mr. Darcy, who is played by a, a wonderful Nigerian-British actor named Sope Dirisu, who hasn't been seen before. But all of the casting is... Um, uh, racially very diverse, lots of Asian characters and lots of black characters, and uh, then, of course, a, a few sprinkling of British characters in this view of uh, Regency England that actually was shot entirely in Ireland, which uh, does a good imitation of the green British countryside. Uh, the film, basically, Mr. Malcolm who is arrogant, has a list of the virtues he demands from a prospective wife. And that's supposed to be a secret, but it becomes a uh, much debated feature of the plot. Listen. I need your assistance. There is a gentleman, Mr. Malcolm. He humiliated me. I then found out he had a list. You have a list of qualifications. I would love for Mr. Malcolm to receive the comeuppance he deserves. Plus, it could be rather fun. Okay, comeuppance is not a word that would be used in 1818 18, uh, Britain as this film is set. The locations are lovely, the costumes are lovely, uh, the characters are 
very uh, thin. And uh, when I say thin, I don't mean physically thin necessarily, though that too. They're, they're cardboard, basically, and uh, cutouts. But the entire thing is done with enough good humor and uh, enough uh, uh, plotting to actually make it watchable. It's rated PG, and there's nothing in the film that would be inappropriate for even very young Jane Austen fans. It is not Jane Austen. It is based on a novel that one of the filmmakers here self-published. Uh, Mr. Malcolm's List, uh, two and a half stars on The Medved Show. The final film is a film that's advertised as a work by Mel Gibson. He plays a minor role as a police bomb squad member. The main character, Kevin Dillon, is a hacker who's trying to go straight and has been involved in various scandals, but now he is captured by a disembodied voice that wants him to bring down the entire world financial system. This is a film called Hot Seat, uh, and it is rated R. Listen. You will die today unless you do exactly you do as you're told. A building wired to blow up. Maybe Orlando's a patsy. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Who knows how many more could die? You got a dead man switch ready to blow. Life or death, you hey. choose! Okay, this is available on multiple streaming services. Is it uh, worth your investment? Are you kidding me? That tick-tock, 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 that was my feeling, seeing my life ticking away uh, and trying to watch this film to the very end. I did... The uh, Mel Gibson, by the way, looks great. He's energetic. He's on screen for about five minutes in this particular film. It uh, isn't believable for one moment. And uh, the basically manipulation of the uh, end of the world claims with explosions that are imminent but never quite happen. It's all uh, filmed for reasons that escape me on location in Las Cruces, New Mexico. A hot seat, not exactly a hot ticket. It is rated R for lots of harsh language and some brutal violence. Uh, one star for hot seat. Uh, Mel has done much better and will do much better. This will be a movie to remember uh, come worst of the year time. Speaking of worst of the year, not, uh, former President Trump has just announced he has remodeled with great refurbishment fanfare the Boeing 757 he used to jet around in in the 2016 campaign. He called it Trump Force One. Well, it's back. Does that mean he's ready to hit the skies as a presidential candidate any moment? We'll also speak with Bill O'Reilly under weird speculation. Will Biden resign? 